This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial. Independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome. Welcome to Invest Talks. This is our Monday, February 24th, 2020 edition. And today is an interesting day in the markets. Uh, you know, the coronavirus threat has made a big impact, and we've been talking about it for a few weeks now. Uh, probably, what, going on a month? And I said before, you know, the. The market's appreciation for the economic impact of this, I think, is underappreciated. And today, you see the sudden appreciation of something that I think was fairly clear was much bigger than most people were expecting. And that's that's markets. Uh, you know, you take the say you take the elevator, sorry, the escalator up. And the elevator down, right? So we we had that today, and it was really on the back of the spreading of this to another continent, right? To Italy, South Korea, and Iran. Two of those three are like they're on technically Asia, might be. But I know Italy is. Italy is Europe. So officially is a pandemic. That's when you spread to more than one continent, right? And this is certainly going to last for a, a little while. And the big question is, how do you react? And we're going to get to that here in a little bit. Now you're listening to Invest Talk, and you know you want strategies to help you deal with volatility. We talk about this all the time. Just because you aren't feeling the risk meaning market going down, that typically is what most people consider feeling the risk or their account going down, right? Doesn't mean that you're not taking risk because volatility, like today, can strike really at any time. And our job on InvestTalk is to help you navigate the markets as well as develop strategies to help deal with this volatility, either prior or after. In order, and if you are able to do that, you're able to dampen the level of volatility or at least just have the appropriate level of volatility. That might be high volatility for you. You might be okay with that. But everybody has their own level of tolerance. And if you can fine-tune your strategy well enough along with a consistent saving strategy, you can achieve your own version of financial freedom, and that's what we're here to help you do today. I'm Justin Klein. I hope you'll call me in this hour and through this Invest Talk radio program and podcast and my company, KPP Financial. I can help you become a better investor. One way, as Steve Peasley and I are able to do this, is by implementing our philosophy of independent thinking and shared success. You know, we're different. We're not normal RAs. We are dedicated to unbiased guidance, and that's what we do each and every day on Invest Talk. We only implement strategies that we implement for ourselves. It's really quite simple. Our investments ride along with our client investments. It's called parallel investing. We buy something for our clients, 
equal percentage of our accounts for us as well. So now that I've set things up, I'm here ready to answer your investing and finance questions. So anytime listener line is open, I'm taking your calls live at 888-99-CHART. Now let me mention, I'll be in San Jose, California on March 20th to meet with registered, invest- registered listeners who understand the value of receiving a no-cost, no-obligation portfolio review. Steve is coming there on Thursday of this week, but he is all booked up. But if you want to sit down with me, you can always register at investtalk.com. Now, my main talking point today concerns a story that President Trump's top economic advisor says that falling bond yields don't reflect U.S. economic fundamentals. Instead, he believes the recent decline in U.S. bond lease demonstrates a flight to safer assets in the wake of the coronavirus. And we're going to talk about if he's right. And I think um, two ways, you know, some ways he is, some ways he isn't. So we're going to touch on that. Also, we're in the midst of tax season. What can you do to minimize your tax impact? And there's still some things you can do, but also things that you need to do to prepare for filing taxes for next year, for this year, right? So we're going to touch on that also. Looks like Bernie is on his way to becoming the Democrat. Democrat nominee for president and some people like that, some people don't like it, some people maybe are neutral on it, probably not, he's a pretty divisive kind of guy, but the big question is what does it mean for markets if he does become a candidate as well as if he potentially wins, so we're going to talk about that as well, because that's an important factor over the next seven, eight months now. So that's what's on my docket for today. So if you want to call, you can call right now, 888-99-CHART, 888-992-4278. So I get through and ask your question on today's show. Now, let's look at the market today. We had a decisively down day. The Dow was down. I don't usually talk about the Dow, but you know. Everyone, everyone seems to talk about it. Down a thousand points today, uh, but more importantly, the S and P was down about three and a quarter percent. Small caps down about three. Nasdaq a little over three and a half. Uh, and just overall, a very, very bloody red day. Uh, and I think this is the market coming to terms with reality that was fairly apparent oh, three weeks ago, four weeks ago, that this is going to have larger economic implications. And are the fears of coronavirus as a virus overblown? Probably. Is it that bad compared to, say, the seasonal flu? Probably not that much worse. Talking about the effects, the impact, the deaths, the suffering... Not a great thing. I feel terrible for the people that are involved and that are quarantined, sick, etc. But I think the economic impact, the economic destruction or, or, or stagnation, shall we say, due to the quarantine, due to the, sp- the fear of spreading, 
is probably going to be larger. At least in at least in the near term, right? Because you have now probably four countries in the world. Two of the the biggest economies. Italy is one of the biggest economies in the Euro region, right? South Korea is one of the largest uh, you know, technology driven economies in the world, even though it's relatively small. So, you know, it's it's this this is going to be here for a while. Um, and I could easily see this spreading uh, to other continents as well. And I think that will be something to continue to watch. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. If you've been listening to Invest Talk for a while, you've heard me say that I believe every investor to determine their own individual risk tolerance level. And the first way to do that is to head over to investtalk.com, take our free risk analysis tool called Riskalyze. And then we can help you develop a profitable investment strategy in conjunction with that risk score. But for now, I'm ready to take your questions at 888-99-CHART. You are listening to Invest Talk. The health of your financial future may depend on the decisions you start making now in 2020. Justin Klein is here, ready to provide his unbiased investment guidance, and the phone lines are open. 888-99-CHART. Let's go to Robert in Vancouver, Washington. He wants to talk about the economy. Yeah, hi, Justin. How you doing? I'm doing well. Uh, what's your uh, what What's your question about the economy? So we've been bullish for a very long time. So are we finally hitting the point now? We're going to start going into like the deep correction mode, like we got in 2018. Is now the time well, for me to buy today some more gold we- and. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I definitely think this is continues to be a good market for for gold. I think gold will be the asset to own for the 2020s. I'll say that. Um, so, you know, to me, gold is more of a a longer term asset, at least for for now, as we uh, approach. You know, we continue with financial repression. Um, you know, you have central banks are likely going to react to this in some way, uh, and they, the best way they know how to react to it is having easier policy, right? Printing money, lower rates, et cetera. Um, and that's always good for gold, precious metals. Uh, so I absolutely think that's that's the case. Uh, now, will this be the beginning of the correction? I, I do think so. Um, you know, do we have bounces in between? Uh, yes, uh, you're always going to have bounces. No, nothing falls directly to the bottom. Um, and I'm not saying this guy, we're going to go to the bottom or anything like that. Um, but you're certainly going to have s- continued economic fallout for, I think through the second quarter of this year, uh, you know, f- the first half of this year will be m- scarred and marred by this coronavirus all over the world, I think. Um, and it's just a matter of how deep that economic upset is. Um, and like I said, the economic upset I think will be, in some ways, worse than the the virus itself. Um, so, you know, where does it go? It's hard to know, but I, I do know that central banks will lower rates. They will do what they can to fight this. They already have. You know, China's central bank has already uh, loosened policy dramatically. They've already talked about uh, delaying or allowing people to delay payments on certain loans because of this, right, uh, and not counting as a default, things like that. Um, so 
you know, they're going to, they're going to respond. Um, what the length of the, the fallout is, the depth of the fallout, it's really too hard to, to, to know at this point. Um, but you're certainly, this is a good time for companies that have strong balance sheets, relatively minimal debt, right? Strong cash flows. And I think companies that will benefit are grocers, for example. Um, you're already seeing run on stores in, in, uh, in Italy. So I, I think those are those type of companies that will benefit the most. Uh, does that answer your question, Robert? So you're saying grocers are the ones to be investing in, like like Kroger? Yeah, that's a good, it's a good example. Um, uh, yeah, so I think those are the ones that I, I think will, will benefit the, the most um, because people are going to want to stock up, um, you know, lower supply of things and KR or Kroger, as long as they can source products will, which, you know, based on their depth of, um, uh, of producers, they, they should be able to do that. Um, so I think that's probably the more standard industries that would benefit from something like this on top of any company that can help address the, the, uh, the health issues, right? Um, whether that's a company that can develop a vaccine or has a treatment, um, I know it's been talks with Gilead is one, um, but there are others out there that have potential treatments, and those are, are certainly going to benefit, at least in the near term. Um, but you have to remember, this is all something that we'll get over. This isn't going to wipe out the human population or anything, so it's not doom and gloom or anything, but you're going to see some economic upset in the medium term. Thanks for the call, Robert. I know this is... Uh, it's hard to grasp, right? It's hard to really know how to react because there's not a lot of precedent for it, right? The last time we had a global pandemic, that was, I believe it was the Spanish flu in the 19-teens, 18, I think it was. So it's definitely something, and that was very much more deadly than this. So, But it's something that... Uh, you don't really have a blueprint for. So you really have to think a little differently on how to react. This is Invest Talk, streaming live Monday through Friday in the 4 o'clock Pacific Time hour and available for free download as a condensed podcast. You can also browse a topic by topic at investtalk.com. Give me a call, 888-99-CHART. In just three days, Steve Peasley will be in San Jose, California, meeting with Talk listeners. His Thursday appointments are fully booked. Justin Klein will be in San Jose on March 20th. So don't delay. Learn how Justin can help you balance and optimize your portfolio. Register now at investtalk.com. Hi, Steve or Justin. This is Chris in Mississippi. It's a rainy Thursday morning. And I was wondering to get your opinion on a India fund, IFN. I've held this fund for two years now, and, you know, I'm probably down 5% in the actual value of it, but I think the dividend's made up for that. It fluctuates around this price it's at now. I was just wondering what you thought of it. Uh, I know India is supposed to be a good sector to be in, and the dividend is, you know, really nice. So I just want your opinion on it and see what you say. All right, he's looking at IFN. This is the India fund, and it does yield about uh, 11%, which 
you know, it was okay. Um, but you know, the price has not gone anywhere. It's actually consolidating what I consider bearishly. Uh, it does trade at a discount to its NAV. This is a closed end fund. So basically there's not new air, new shares issued on a daily basis or anything like that, like an ETF. Uh, and therefore it can trade at a premium or a discount, uh, like any, uh, any closed end fund. And this one consistently over the past years, let's see, five years has traded about a 10% discount on average, 11% or so. And right now it's what? At a, 11. So um, that's not atypical. So you're investing in India, right? It's what's called the India fund. Uh, I don't know where that 11% yield is coming from. That would be curious to me. Um, you know, I just don't love it. Uh, I don't love that it's that it it has it has leverage. Um, it's a closed end fund. You're probably consistently going to be uh, owning it at a discount. Um, now, if they have a roll up, for whatever reason, you're going to get that 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 11%. When I say roll up, I mean liquidate the fund and give the money back to shareholders. You're going to get that 11% boost. However, I don't see that happening, um, and I would I would pass on. I would I would move on. Um, you know why India is a fine place to be. Uh, you know I talked last week about dividend investing and how just focusing on the distribution on the dividend is not exactly the way that. Uh, you should be investing. It's not proper dividend investing. It's not just about the distribution or the dividend yield. Uh, it's about the growth of that yield over time and investing in solid, consistent businesses. And that's why I would rather own an individual India company that has long-term track record of profitability, return invested capital, return equity, etc., that pays a reasonable dividend, that can grow over time. Um, and that's the way I would be gaining exposure to India. I, I do think it's a good place to be long term. That India does have a lot of potential, uh, especially with the uh, fallout from China, both because of the coronavirus, but also the uh, geopolitical uh, implications of the Chinese Communist Party and their habits of, of poor governance. Uh, I think the world manufacturing base is going to look to pivot, at least diversify elsewhere. Uh, and India will be a first place a lot of them will start. Now, the coronavirus is already affecting markets, and it's starting to be widely believed that the outbreak is having major impact on business activity. Now, this is going to be called COVID-19. That's what they're calling it now. Uh, so you can call it coronavirus, you can call it COVID-19. Uh, but I encourage everyone to head over to the uh, Johns Hopkins University, they have a a dashboard, so we call it, uh, that covers where all the cases, uh, reported cases of COVID-19 have been reported. Uh, and we're now up to 833 in South Korea. You know, just a, f what, a week ago, we were under 100 there. Uh, Italy's 229, Japan's 159. Uh, we have 53 here in the United States. So it does continue to build, uh, and you have to. The, the one thing I continue to watch is the cases reported in other locations besides China, and that does continue. That that looks to be going parabolic, um, and I think that's the the biggest issue, and that's what people are paying attention. At least the market's paying attention to today. Uh, you have ten-year Treasury yields 
at 1.37%, the lowest level since July 2016, and it's a record low. Now, this will hurt bank profits because of their spreads. It should help the housing market to some degree. Oil fell sharply on money, dropping about 4%. Why? Because the expectation is that less people are going to be traveling either by car or especially by plane, which will hurt jet fuel demand. And now economists are predicting the Fed will cut interest rates as early as March. There's about a 23% chance that'll happen, uh, at least according to market participants. But I could easily see June being something that that happens, especially because if this is around by June, this is still a problem by June, it would be pretty tone deaf to not pay attention to the economic fallout and keep rates steady, right? So I expect uh, probably a rate cut in June. And that will that means gold's higher. Uh, we're at sixteen seventy nine an ounce, and that's a seven year high for gold. Continues to be by far the best sector to be invested in today. Now on the invest talk on the next invest talk, this story: as the coronavirus continues to spread, there are signs that some of the world's top economies could slide into recession because the outbreak compounds pre existing weaknesses. That story tomorrow. I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions at eight 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 ninety nine chart. This is Invest Talk, made possible by KPP Financial, where principals and Invest Talk hosts Steve Peasley and Justin Klein are independent financial advisors. For clients, they are fiduciaries. Steve and Justin have a duty and a commitment to always place the interests of their clients ahead of the firm. This is different from the way many other organizations operate. And one way you can realize the benefit of an association with KPP Financial is to know that KPP practices parallel investing. This means that the personal investment accounts of KPP principals participate with client investments at equal prices and percentages. It's an important difference. You can learn more anytime at investtalk.com. At KPP Financial, we offer independent thinking with shared success. This is Invest Talk. Is your portfolio balanced? Is it optimized? Is it delivering the types of gains you want and need to achieve financial freedom? Well, turn up the volume because there are many questions that deserve unbiased answers. And Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your calls live. 88899 chart. Hello, Steve Justin. This is Stan from Richmond, Virginia. Thanks for your great show. When dealing with single equity issues, you preach against having too much in one single equity or holding. Is it the same for exchange traded funds? I'm a conservative investor. In my account, I have basically four funds. One is a short-term bond fund, one is a preferred stock fund, and then I have two different equity, one international and one U.S. Obviously, they're going to be over 5 or 10% of my holdings. It's basically 30, 30, 20, 20. Is that too concentrated or is that um, 
diversified enough. Would appreciate an answer. Thanks for the great show. Bye. Well, my initial reaction is that it is diversified enough if you're talking about the underlying security. So diversification is typically best described as having enough positions to avoid any single security risk. Right, so if one company falls out of bed, they have major problems, maybe it's a fraud, whatever it is, it's not going to kill your overall portfolio. Uh, and having the asset allocation or the uh, spread of ETFs that you're talking about, the you're you're safe from that, right? Because even with the S and P, uh, what's the largest holding here? I believe it is. What is it? Microsoft, five percent of the overall uh, position. Uh, so, much smaller percentage of your overall portfolio, if that's maybe the uh, <clears throat> ETF you're using. So, from a asset allocation standpoint, diversification standpoint, shall I say, uh, you're diversified. Now, is that the way I would do it? No, I'd probably spread out the ETFs in different asset classes a little bit more. Um, so, you know, if I'm looking at stocks, I might gain some uh, exposure to... Um, dividend payers, maybe small cap stocks, uh, maybe go with value over growth. Um, so I might adjust those and, and have maybe a, a five to seven percent in each ETF that might add up to thirty percent. Um, that's the way I would go. But you are diversified in that way, so don't think that you're not diversified. But I would try to find a few more ETFs to broaden that out and diversify yourself among strategies within particular asset classes. Let's, let's go to Eddie in Colorado looking at Broadcom, AVGO. Hey, Justin. You there, Eddie? Yeah. Great. Hello. Glad you could uh, connect today. Glad you could connect today. You're looking at Broadcom. Do you own it? You're looking to buy it? Uh, I've been looking to buy it for a while, and uh, with the recent pullback, it's seems pretty tempting, uh, especially with some of the dividends that they uh, have been putting out in the past. I just want to get your thoughts on it. Yeah. Yeah. So you're looking at, at Broadcom. Now, this is a company in the chip sector, obviously one of the largest in the world, $116 billion market cap. The designer of analog integrative circuits for telecom, industrial, automotive, and computing markets. Uh, they make chips for all different applications. And this is a company who's Growth has been slowing recently. 2018, they were growing revenue about 20% per quarter and earnings about 30% per quarter. And the last couple quarters, you're at positive 6% growth last quarter and negative 8% earnings growth. So you're definitely getting slowing growth here. Uh, and that's why you've seen the stock kind of go, go sideways. And now you have a decisively... Uh, you know, decisive sell-off today down about four and a quarter percent, worse than the overall market. Uh, and you're going to see that. You're going to see chip stocks tend to are, tend to be more volatile. Now, Broadcom is one that 
tends to consistently be more profitable and more consistent than most other chip names that you're looking at because of their broad diversification of applications for their products. So I like what you're looking at. I love the company. This is actually one of my favorite chip names in the space because of that consistency. The dividend is about four and a quarter percent, but the pay ratio is a little high, I will say that. Um, but their debt levels are fairly modest, um, so that's a, that's a positive. Uh, let me look at the chart here. Do you, how much chip exposure do you have in your portfolio right now? Um, I have another 10% of my portfolio in NVIDIA. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would use this actually as an as an opportunity to be reallocating, or, or I would take some of. Do you, sorry, so you you don't have any Broadcom right now, is what you're saying? No. Okay, I would absolutely be adjusting that. I think ten percent in Nvidia is way 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 too high. Um, it's it's one of those businesses that tends to be way more volatile than your average chip stock, uh, and Broadcom is going to be more consistent. Um, so. I would absolutely be taking, I wouldn't be increasing my uh, allocation right now to the chip space, but if I'm going to keep it at 10%, then I would absolutely be allocating money away from NVIDIA and into Broadcom because I think it has a much better long-term outlook because of its consistency of profits and cash flow and that dividend and a solid balance sheet. So I like it. Uh, could there be more downside? Yes, but I think there's going to be much more downside for NVIDIA over the next year or so than, than this. So uh, I like I like, uh, I like Broadcom. Thanks for the call, Eddie. My main talking point today concerns a story. President Trump's top economic advisor says that the falling bond yields don't reflect U.S. economic fundamentals. He's saying it's because of the coronavirus. And I'm going to say he's, in a lot of ways, he's right. Uh, he's right because it's because of the coronavirus. But it's also because of legislation, uh, Dodd-Frank, and, and the way that regulators have changed the structure of our banking system, not only here, but worldwide, right? Basel III, et cetera. It's forcing banks to own safe assets. It's why you saw yields in Europe go negative. Not just because of policy, but staying consistently negative and across different types of assets that you wouldn't expect to be negative. It's because banks were forced to buy. And you're seeing that here in the United States as well. It's kind of a stealth way to create financial repression. And that's why gold continues to do, be a good place to be. Uh, and it's why you see yields continue to pressure to the downside. Because as long as the Fed is in charge, as long as the Fed is in charge of adjusting short-term interest rates, you're going to see an adjustment to those rates based on what the market expects the Fed to do. And as the coronavirus spreads, yes, you're going to get an adjustment downwards in those expectations of Fed funds rate, but also that consistent pressure of bond yields going much lower. So is it a reflection of the coronavirus? Yes. But 
is he what Kudlow is saying is economy strong. There's nothing wrong, and I think there he's there he's wrong. Um, this coronavirus coming on the heels of a weakening economy. Now, is it weak? No, unemployment rate remains very low. Uh, you've seen some signs even before this of the labor market slowing some. Um, but the bond yields are reflecting an expectation of a much slower economy. Remember, they're, they're looking forward. They're looking at what the Fed is going to do. And if they start believing that the Fed is not necessarily going to panic, but they're going to react to this, then they're going to push rates much lower. You know, Kudlow is President Trump's top economic advisor, so he's going to and has championed his economic policy since the beginning. And just like any anything, you know, he's right at sometimes, he's wrong at sometimes, and most of the time, there's shades of gray, and that's what you have to read into here is that there are shades of gray. He's right that the economy is relatively strong, but he's wrong that the bond market isn't indicating weaker economic fundamentals going forward. And sure, the coronavirus is an impactful aspect of that. I'm Justin Klein, listening to Invest Talk. And you are a good company. We keep download statistics, and we know that many thousands of people download our program each day. In January, for example, we had monthly total over half a million downloads. So, Steve and I thank you for that. So, please shoot. Please be sure to tell your friends and family members about InvestTalk and our website, investtalk.com. There's a number of resources for you to assist you in your goal of building a solid financial future. We want to help you. You can call our KP Financial Offices in Irvine, California at 800-557-5461. Or you can call our phone lines at InvestTalk that are open right now at 888-99-CHART. The countdown continues in just two days. Steve Peasley will be in San Jose, California, meeting with InvestTalk listeners. His Thursday appointments are fully booked, but you will have a second chance to get your personalized, no-cost, and no-obligation portfolio reviews from KPP Financial. Justin Klein will be in San Jose on March 20th. So don't delay. Learn how Justin can help you balance and optimize your portfolio. Register now at investtalk.com. Hi, this is Rick calling from Chicago. I have a quick question about Disney+. Plus. Recent reports uh, showing that they've gained 17% of the users that Netflix has in their first 90 days. And I'm wondering how you feel about that. those figures because I know I'm a Verizon carrier and I get Disney Plus for free for a full year. And I'm wondering if those numbers are factored into their valuation for Disney Plus and Disney Plus. Thanks, guys. Look forward to hearing your answer on the podcast. Well, Disney, yes. Uh, Disney has had a great launch of Disney Plus, and I do think it is a, a great value. Uh, there's a lot of great content. I was watching it with uh, my girlfriend's kids over the weekend. Uh, and I think that will be a platform that'll be around for a long, long time. So I think it's a strong business uh, for Disney, even though 
you know, it's certainly going to cannibalize some of their revenue from that content, you know, the, that, that, that they would have garnered. Uh, and they're going to need to continue to invest in it, just like Netflix has to continue to invest in their platform. Um, but Disney has owns their content. The vast majority of the content that's on D- Disney Plus, uh, I'm sure, just owned by Disney. Um, and they have stuff on there that are not on there that they could release later, right? That will likely give a boost to that platform. So um, I think it's a strong business for Disney, even though Disney is down about $6 today, about, uh, what's that, 4.5%. And that's more because they have a bigger share of their revenue comes from theme parks, which certainly are probably going to be affected because of the coronavirus. So in the near term, that's going to be an issue. But I see this as an opportunity to eventually pick up Disney. Now, is Disney overvalued here? Um, I would say slightly still. Uh, I think there's a little bit uh, there's a little bit of over-optimism around Disney Plus that was you know started early last year. Um, but it's still a strong business, even though profits have fallen over the last five quarters. So it's a good company everyone should have on their watch list and look for this as an opportunity to pick it up once it gets to appropriate levels, you know, reasonable valuations. Right now you have a P of 25, uh, five-year P range is 14 to 28, right? So this needs to be in the probably high teens before it becomes a reasonable value. But yes, Disney Plus has been very successful. Let's grab another caller question now at 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Peter from New York, and I know you earn uh, interest on your dividends with a stock. My question is short-term versus long-term. What are the benefits if I buy and sell a stock in less than a year time frame versus longer than a year time frame? What are the advantages and disadvantages? Am I taxed more? Am I taxed less? with short-term dividend interest versus longer-term Thanks. Great question. So short-term, there's difference between short-term and long-term capital gains. If you hold a stock over a year, so a year and one day, then it's, and then you sell it, anytime after that, it's considered long-term capital gain or loss. Uh, and you can offset long-term capital gains with long-term capital losses and same with short-term. Short-term is anything a year or less and that would be uh, that's taxed at your ordinary income tax rate. Long-term capital gains has uh, a lower rate that depends on your income so you have to look that up based on uh, your tax bracket but you are definitely going to be taxed lower on long-term capital gains versus short-term capital gains uh, most likely. So but you also, have to remember you can only offset long-term gains with long-term losses as well, and same with short-term or short-term. Uh, so be be aware of that. That's something you have to understand. But yes, it does. It is more advantageous to hold a stock for over a year to get that more advantageous tax benefit, as long as it's in a taxable account. If it's in an IRA or your 401k, 403b, etc., you don't have to worry about that. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein, and we have one goal here, and that's to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this break, so get your questions in now at 888 chart
On the next Invest Talk, this story, as the coronavirus continues to spread, there are signs that some of the world's top economies could slide into recession. That story tomorrow. But now, the Anytime Listener lines are open. Steve and Justin welcome your questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Hi, Steve and Justin. Dan here. Big fan of you both. Grateful for all the information that you give everybody. Uh, I'm calling today to inquire about Royal Dutch Shell. They closed today around $52. Great dividend yield, 7%. Looking at the dip right now, and I've noticed that you've been talking quite a bit about picking up oil stocks in the dip. Just wanted to get a feel for how you feel about Royal Dutch. Thanks again for listening. Thank you. All right, looking at Royal Dutch Shell and looking at dividend stocks and going back to what I said last week. Don't always look at the dividend, uh, even though it yields about 7% after the fall today to $47.28, so down about 10% since uh, he left that message. Uh, but long term, the chart looks like this is it bottomed around 40 in 2016 as well as 2009, and it looks headed there. So uh, I definitely wouldn't touch it till 40 from a technical perspective. Now, the bigger question is, is this the type of name that you, you want to own? Uh, in the oil space. Now, they're, they're Netherlands-based, so they're a global oil EMP, exploration and production. Now, they refine crude oil and natural gas as well. Uh, modest debt levels. Uh, I don't say modest. Medium debt levels. So, I think they can handle that dividend for a little while, but it's certainly something that if prices persist down here, I think you're going to have uh, some trouble with it. Um, long term, their profitability metrics, return on assets, return on equity, return on invested capital, continue to trend down over the last few decades, along with the overall stock price. So, honestly, I'm not a huge fan of it. It's not my favorite in the space by any means. It's probably somewhere in the middle uh, from the ENP perspective. Now, what I like, I like the drillers, I like the, not the drillers, the service companies. Uh, I, I'm, we're looking at those type of names a little bit more. Why? Uh, because they don't own the assets. They don't own the underlying assets that are now declining in value, but the EMP companies still need the service companies to operate. And yes, the service companies will still take a hit because some wells will be shut down, they'll negotiate in price, etc. But their business is going to be more consistent, more stable. A lot of them have better balance sheets because they haven't gone out and acquired a bunch of bunch of assets, potentially high prices, etc. So I'd be rather I'm looking at oil service companies over the EMPs. So I'm going to pass on Royal Dutch Shell. Let's keep it moving and squeeze in one question. An eight eight ninety nine chart. Yeah, that's Kirk Maryland. I got a general question. I've got had a number of stocks where. Analysts have upgraded the target price or, you know, from old to buy or whatever. And the price actually drops a couple percent. Uh, like yesterday, uh, AMT, one of my stocks, was upgraded and it actually dropped close to 2%. Uh, it seemed like the opposite would happen. Can you, you know, explain why that happens? I'll be listening on the podcast. Thanks. Bye. Well, first off, Analysts are not gospel. <laughs> so just because one analyst says one thing doesn't mean that it automatically is going to 
uh, have the corresponding effect on the price. So that's first off. Second off, American Tower is very overvalued. It's very expensive. Uh, and it's more considered a growth stock than a REIT. Right? And that's what it is. It's a real estate investment trust that owns wireless towers. And everyone's kind of put their trust in their business. And it's grown over time. So you and they have consistent profitability. And it's a fantastic business. But based on valuation metrics, based on slowing growth, uh, it doesn't deserve these valuations of, you know, enterprise value to EBITDA 26 with earnings down 1% last year, expected to grow single digits this year. It's just too expensive. Uh, and so when you get a sell-off in corresponding type of assets like growth stocks, an analyst upgrade can mean nothing because the flow of money is going out of names like this. So, going back to the beginning, analysts are not gods, they're not gospel, and just because they say one thing doesn't mean they're correct, it doesn't mean the market will act accordingly. I'm Justin Klein, and this completes another Invest Talk program. I will return on Thursday. Steve Peasy will host the program tomorrow. Please remember that you can listen and access our free Invest Talk podcast downloads at iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify. Be sure to listen, rate, and review. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice, or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis, and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listener line at 888-99-CHART. 888-99-CHART.